Welcome, my friends. I bring you greetings from the Center Church of Christ, meeting in the building located at 110 Hearst Street in Center, Texas. We appreciate so very much the comments we've been receiving on our visits together. We appreciate those of you who have signed up as followers of our podcast, and we want you to encourage your friends and neighbors to to listen and to sign up and follow our podcast also. But right now, what we want to do is invite all of you to stop checking that Facebook page. Ignore those incoming text messages and emails. Take just a few minutes out of your busy schedule and let's visit together about the things of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. The Jewish rabbis often said the Sea of Galilee was God's chosen sea. Now, I've never visited the land where the Sea of Galilee is located. And quite honestly, with the turmoil that exists in our world today and with the unrest that is, there is in that part of the world, I, I doubt that I'll ever go there. I must be content to read the descriptions of those who've been there. Remember that Galilee is a rather small body of water. It's oval-shaped, only 13 miles long and 6 miles wide. On the eastern shore, mountains rise to about 2,000 feet. Then to the north is the snow-capped summit of Mount Hermon. Galilee is said to be a chosen sea, not because of its beauty, but because of the prominent role that it plays in the life of Jesus. You see... We can't be certain of the location of most of the places that are mentioned in the Bible. We do not know for certain where Calvary actually was. We're not sure of the exact location of the Garden of Gethsemane. Yet we can be certain where the Sea of Galilee is. It has not moved. It rolls just as it did in the days of Jesus. The fishermen still fish its waters and the same brown mountains still rise above it. The same stars still shine on Galilee at night and the same storm still convulse its waters. If you were to take away the incidents in the life of our Lord that are associated with Galilee, my friends, a good part of the Gospels would be missing. You see, it was at Capernaum that Jesus made His home. It was there He worked many of His greatest miracles. Jesus and the disciples preached on the shores of Galilee. Jesus walked on the Sea of Galilee, and it was on Galilee that Jesus calmed the stormy seas. Now, regardless of what some of you listening might think and what you've been told and the myths that exist, preaching can be strenuous. There's a little bit more to it than just standing up and talking a few times a week. The physical, the mental, and the spiritual labor is sometimes quite intense. Well, Mark chapter 4 tells us that Jesus has been teaching and preaching all day. He taught that great parable of the sower, and He taught other parables and sermons that day. He had been using a fisherman's boat for a pulpit because of the large crowd that had gathered. And at evening, Jesus was weary, and He was worn. And so Jesus says to His disciples, Let us pass over to the other side. Mark says they took him even as he was. That is, they took him without any extra baggage, without a change of clothes, probably not even a toothbrush. It was a come-as-you-are party. Well, I want you, by an eye of faith, to see Jesus.
step over the side of the ship. Can you see Jesus tired and worn and weary? As He lies down in the broad seat at the stern of the ship and rests His weary head on a piece of sailcloth, almost immediately Jesus falls asleep. One of the disciples gives the boat a shove down the gravelly beach, then he leaps in when the boat's in deeper water. The black horizontal sail is hoisted and the course is set for the dimly lit hills on the eastern shore. Oh, my friends, it's a perfect night. The stars are shining, the soft wind is filling out the sail, and Jesus is sleeping peacefully. Someone has thrown a blanket over the Lord and I'm quite sure John is sitting not far from him. And all around in the water there there are some other little ships, we're told. Well, folks, like life, the Sea of Galilee can be calm one moment and then stormy the next. The sea lies in a basin 600 feet below the Mediterranean. Colder wind rushes down from the mountains and the uplands The wind roars down through the gorges like a funnel, and the colder air meets the warmer air in the sea basin, and then there's convulsion and commotion. And so it was that night. I can almost close my eyes, and I can almost see Andrew and Peter on the ship that night. They're not novices. They're experienced sailors. And Andrew might have said, Looks like there's going to be a blow tonight. Peter said, perhaps we ought to shorten the sail. But before they can make any adjustments, the winds are on them like a hurricane. The sail cracks like the report of a rifle. The winds roar in the sea and the wind begin to rage and on every side the great waves come rushing in. They smash against the sides of the tiny ship and sometimes they sweep over it. These disciples... They're seasoned navigators on Galilee, yet they're all frightened. This must have been some kind of storm. Can you see the waves as they get higher and higher? The sky is black and the stars are extinguished. Lightning flashes, thunder roars, and the rain falls in sheets. And then the disciples look, and they see Jesus as He lies sleeping in the stern of the boat. With the waves rolling the ship, one moment he's far above their heads and the next he's far beneath them. And Yet Jesus sleeps on. Well, you remember there was Jonah in the Old Testament who slept through the storm too. But the sleep of Jesus is different from the sleep of Jonah. Jonah slept because his conscience was dead. Jesus sleeps because of a good conscience. Jonah was the cause of the storm that shook his vessel. Jesus was the secret of deliverance. Did you know, this is the only time we see Jesus sleeping. At other times in the gospel accounts, we see Jesus doing many other things. We see Him teaching and preaching. We see Him rejoicing and we see Him walking. We see Him resting and eating and drinking. We've watched Him pray. We see Him agonize and die. But this is the only time we see Him sleeping. He's using a sail or perhaps a coil of rope for a pillow. The winds and the waves 
or fearsome and frightening to the disciples, but for the one who commands the sea and stormy winds, they're merely a lullaby. The frightened disciples debate as to whether to waken Jesus. Finally, the decision is made, and they wake him and cry, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Can you see Jesus? Do you see him standing majestically in the ship? Listen as he speaks to the elements. He rebuked the wind, and it folded its wings. He rebuked the sea, and the waves fell flat. Then there was a great calm. Then he spoke to the disciples. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus wanted them to understand his power. So they continued in safety to the other shore. All those other little boats, they continued with them. The lesson that Jesus wanted them to get that night was that the wind and the sea obey Him. That, my friends, is also the lesson Jesus wants to teach me and you. Life has storms like that. Life and storms go hand in hand. And the storms of life typically appear as gradually intensifying. Sudden winds of adversity sometimes hit us hard. The storms of life They have a way of cutting us down to size. After the initial blunt blow, we're left stunned. We wonder, what's hit us? Because they test the very core of our beings. But my friends, the same Christ who stilled the tempest that night on Galilee can command the winds and the waves that agitate our lives. The storms of life are many and varied, and they break as suddenly as the storm that night on Galilee. But folks, I want you to understand that whatever the storm, Jesus can calm that storm. To those who are living within the will of God, to those who are living God's kind of life, Jesus says, peace, be still. In the storms of life, We must follow the example of the disciples. We must call on Jesus. We must awaken Jesus. And Jesus will calm the storm. Living within the will of God, my friends, begins when we make the decision to give our lives to Jesus Christ. Do you remember in Acts chapter 2, Peter was preaching that great sermon on Pentecost to that vast audience, And that audience that day heard Peter say, This same Jesus you've crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. Dr. Luke tells us in Acts 2 and verse 37 that when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And in verse 38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of of your sins. Peter didn't tell them to pray and ask God into their hearts. He told them to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. That's the way they did it in the first century. 
If we want to live God's kind of life, that's the way we need to do it in the 21st century. Have you done that? Have you been obedient to what the Lord would have you to do to belong to Him and live His kind of life? If not, we'd love to help you in your obedience to the commands of the New Testament. We'd love to help you begin to live your life within the will of God. You see... What we're trying to do at the Center Church of Christ is restore the ancient ways of the first century church. We would invite you to come and join us on that journey. Come and visit with us as we attempt to serve the Lord in the simple New Testament way. And just remember, whatever storm is blowing through your life, Jesus can calm that storm if you live your life within His will. Our prayer is that you're enjoying the opportunities we have to visit together about the things of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. We hope you'll continue to listen, that you'll encourage your friends to listen also. But our time is gone. But until this same time, next week, may the Lord richly bless and keep you, is our prayer in Jesus' name.